I'm so excited for this um, for this week specifically, and it's going to be, man, it's going to be one of those stories that you guys are very familiar with uh, all throughout Scripture. I'm talking about Noah, and whenever you talk about Noah, you obviously assume that Noah and the ark, of course, you all that good stuff. Uh, and yes, and no, and so it's going to be one of those things to where uh, we're going to look so so much deeper into Noah than just an ark. Uh, but really, uh, the whole goal of our few minutes together tonight um, is to see that you know what, there's so much. Uh, to our life when it comes to sin and our stories holding this sin. You know, everybody, um, everybody that's been on this screen for the past few weeks and everybody that's going to continue to be on the screen, uh, they, all, they all have a, a random story, right? It's, it's all different stories. It's never the same story inside of their life. But one, one thing that is all common is that there's always sin inside of their story. There's always this, you could even call it a cycle of sin inside of their story. And the whole goal, I believe, of the Christian life is not to try to avoid sin, it's not to try to run from sin, but it's really to break this cycle of sin. Because we are all born sinners, we are all in this area together, right? We're all in this phase of life together to where no matter where we've come from, we've got to conquer what we call sin through the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to start out in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, verse 7 and spend most of our time in Genesis chapter 6. And so if you want to go ahead and find your place in Genesis chapter 6, we're going to be in verses 9 through 22. It's going to be kind of a little bit of flipping and, and some notes tonight. Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 22, we're going to end up there. But first, look with me in Hebrews chapter 11 called the Hall of Faith, which is what we're studying this whole semester. And we come to Noah. And so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says this. It says, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Now, that doesn't make sense yet. And so we're going to flip to Genesis chapter 6. And so from Hebrews 11, we know that Noah uh, is mentioned in this hall of faith that we've been talking about, right? And so that's all the hall of faith says about him. But there's a whole deeper story to Noah in Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 22. Anybody familiar with the Noah and the ark? Anybody? Anybody familiar with the flood? All right, so we know kind of where this is coming from. Genesis chapter 6, look with me in verse 9. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, just imagine being named Ham. Anybody? In name? Okay, okay, good. Okay, so it says, verse 11. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all around. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal, uh, animal and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. 
you are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Now, here's the deal. We could dive into this for, gosh, for hours tonight, but we only have a few minutes. So here's the first thing that we see about this sin nature inside of our life. Number one, don't be afraid to break the cycle of sin inside of your story. And I just want to use that as encouragement tonight. Don't, don't be afraid to break this cycle of sin inside of your story. We all, we all have sin in our story, right? We've all established that. Sam said it best. He's like, listen, we all come from different areas, but we all have something in common. That is sin. We all have this thing in common that separates us from Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, right? And so we know that through this sin... It's like, it's like a cycle that you're put in whenever you're, whenever you're born, right? So we all know, know that we're born a sinner, and so we're just like following this whole flood of, of sin, right? And so we're all in this whole cycle together, all in this, this current together. But as, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we're called to go against that current. In fact, get out of that current of sin uh, and not let sin rule inside of our lives. Verses 9 through 12, it kind of hits on this, right, in, inside of chapter 6. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. Verse 12, God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Now, I, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but you see this whole idea of, God's trying to get across the point that the earth is corrupt. God's trying to get across the point that, you know what, you're messed up people. Like, there, there is bad things happening in this world. And so there's this whole cycle of sin that literally all the earth except for Noah and his family are taking part in, right? And so this is what's so cool about it, is that, use this as encouragement, it's, in, it's possible tonight for you to swim against the current of being normal. Like, it's possible to do that. So many times people's stories are, well, it's just normal for me to take part in this sin. Well, it's normal inside of my life to do this. It's normal inside of my life and, and to, to, to hang out with these people. It's normal inside of my life to talk this way. We, we often put our stories and center our stories around this word of normal. I don't know if you ever noticed that or not. I see it all the time working with you guys, right? Like, as you guys talk with me, you're like, well, this is, it's just normal inside of my life. It's normal in my family. Like, it's normal inside of my story. But here's the deal. It's possible. In fact, it's commanded by Jesus Christ to swim against this current of being normal, of normalizing sin. If you're going to normalize anything, normalize being like Jesus. And this it's funny because people are like, well, it's normal to act this way in my, in my life. It's normal for me to look this way inside of my life. And not once do you say, as a child of God, it's normal to act like Jesus Christ. And it, that's, just, that's funny how that works, how, how Satan twists sin in a way that we believe that it's literally normal for us to do this. Just look at Noah when it comes to this situation. Noah was righteous even though the world was corrupt. Think about it. Noah was blameless even though the world was violent. Noah faithfully walked with God even though people loved sin and they loved to sin inside of their life. Have you ever noticed that? Like just think about it inside of your life. Like are you, are you righteous even though everything around you is corrupt, right? Like, are you living a righteous lifestyle? Are you blameless in the sight of God in a way that says, you know what, I'm not going to take part in this sin. I'm going to love Jesus Christ with everything I have. Even though this world is violent, even though this world is something that you can't control. Like, are you, are you faithfully walking with God daily, even though you are all surrounded? In fact, you're drowning in people who love to sin, right? And so you can ask this of your life. This is how it relates to us tonight. Like, ask yourself... Am I truly defined by these things because I know it's possible? Why? You see Noah doing it. Noah, Noah was, 
he normalized this whole idea of living for Jesus in the midst of corrupt people. This was his story. He knew that his story was ultimately God's story, so he made his life all about Jesus. And so you may be thinking, why in the world do I break this cycle of sin? Here it is, because God sees us tonight. If you're asking the question, what, why, why in the world would I break this, I enjoy it. It feels great. It tastes great. looks great. I enjoy doing it. may have a little bit of shame afterwards. So why in the world would I break this cycle? Because God sees you. Take note in verse 11 and 12. See this. It says, in God's sight, right? Highlight that, underline it, something. In God's sight, it keeps going. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. Do you see this? So it's literally God seeing what's going on. And there's some of you in the room tonight, I know that you believe that God, we call him agnostic, right? That you believe that God, he created us, like we're here, but you believe that God has, has totally taken his hands off the scene. You believe God is totally, yeah, God, God's not really here. Why in the world is there so much evil in the world? There's no way God's here. Here's the deal. This answers it for you. God is as ever-present as your skin on your body right now. And so we see that God sees what's happening. And it's not just, he don't just see what's happening with Noah. He sees what's happening with you. He sees what's happening with me. And so we need to see God in this type of way that God is not some God who is distant. He, he is in this far imaginary planet. He may or may not exist. No, God sees, God knows. He sees the corruptness of your life, of, of this whole world. And so here's what, here's what we see from this is that God, he sees your life, right? Like he sees your story. He even sees the sin inside of your life. And get this, he is ready to forgive you. That's the God that we serve. And so, yeah, at one, on one hand, yeah, God knows, God sees. God, God, yeah, he's all-knowing. He's here in the very moment. Like, we know he's not left us. Why? I will never leave you or forsake you. So we know that God is here. But at the same time, man, God knows my sin. Guess what? He's willing to forgive you. So, yes, oh, my gosh, you may be, you may be embarrassed that God knows you, that God knows your sin, that God knows everything that you're doing. But at the same time, look, look, flip the coin. We serve a God who's not willing to leave you like that. We serve a God who says, come to me. I know what you're doing, but come to me. Like you can live a life all out for me, right? And so scripture goes on and tells us this, like in order for your story to be his story, like we're talking about this whole semester, you must listen to him. You have to take note of that. Like you have to listen to him. In order for your story to truly be defined as Jesus Christ, in order for your story, even though you're a sinner, like Sam told us tonight, even though we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God. Like we need to see the whole reality that we're created to listen to the God of the universe. Verses 13 through 16, they say it like this. So God said to Noah, so there's literally a conversation going on here. I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. You're like, well, what is, what is the point of this? And here's, here's what we see through this is that we, we have to listen to God. If you, if you haven't noticed in this story yet, there's a lot of commands from, Jesus, like from God right now, right? Like from, from the Father. He is telling Noah, hey, you need to listen to me because I've got very specific instructions for you, right? And so we, we run into the question, like, what, what happens if we don't listen to God? Like, we know that we should listen to God, but we also know that there's a lot of times that we don't listen to God. What happens? There will for sure be repercussions inside of your life. 
And this is what a lot of folks, especially in this age group that we're in tonight, this is where a lot of people miss it. They believe that God is all-loving, God is all-knowing, which is very true. They believe that God forgives, it's very true. But we never talk about the repercussions of sin. We never talk about the repercussions of actually not listening to God. So what happens? There are repercussions. Verse 17, it goes along and says it like this. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me like God is mad in this moment. Right? And so you, you see what happens. You see that there's going to be repercussions. He's saying, Noah, I've told you what to do. I've told you how to live your life. Noah was obeying. But he, it's same with us. He was telling you how to live your life, telling you what's going on. I've given you commandment after commandment. I've told you my word over and over again. Listen to me. I promise you I know what's best for your life. Like all this stuff is going on. But if you don't, you need to understand there's going to be massive repercussions coming from you. Right? And so if Noah never would have listened, he could have might as well been in the flood with him, right? And so Noah is listening to everything that, that God is saying. I love how there are so many commandments from God in this verse, verses 13 through 16. It says this, it says, I am going to, I am surely going to make yourself an ark. This is how you are to build it. Make a roof for it. Put a door in it inside. Make decks. I am going to bring floodwaters. Everything on earth will perish. Have you ever noticed that through verses 13 and 16, how there are all these commands from God, like he is saying, Noah, listen to me. And by the way, Noah, if you don't know much about this, Noah had never experienced rain like we've experienced today, like we live in Mobile, right? Nobody experiences this. But like really Noah has never experienced this before because rain didn't fall from the sky. It came from the ground. And so whenever God approached Noah about this, you got to understand, put it in this context, Noah didn't know what rain was. Right? Like Noah, Noah did not know. We know this from history. Noah did not know what rain was. And so rain, it come up from the bottom of the ground, watered everything, the trees, the plants, everything, gave water. It did this. It never fell from the sky. Right? I don't know if you knew that or not. But so God is, God is coming to Noah and saying, listen, I got this massive plan for you, something you've never been through before, something you've never experienced before, but I need you to listen to me. And if I went around the room right now, we could all say that we've been in that situation if we are not right now. We could all say that we've been in the situation of we don't know what to do. I know God is urging me to do something. He's nudging me to maybe do something, talk to somebody, do something, get involved. He's nudging me to do something, right? But you know what, I've, I've never done it and I don't really know what to do. Put yourself in Noah's shoes. God gives all these commands, I am gonna do this, I will surely do this. If you don't get on board, you will perish. And here's the scary thing about it is that a lot of you are perishing right now. You say, how, how in the world does this relate to me? This is a pretty strong word. But you know, a lot of the perishing that we take part in, we're not taking part in a flood. It's called this eternal perishment, right? This eternal punishment. And God says, listen, if you don't turn your life over to me, if you don't surrender your life, if you don't listen to me, you will perish. Like you will die and go to hell forever. <laughs> and Jesus warns us of that so many times. He is saying, listen, you think this was bad in floodwaters? Just imagine it being forever. And so this is how we relate this to our lives. Like we don't want to do that. We don't. As much as God warned this earth, whenever he was about to flood it, the people never listened. 
They never listened. They never cared. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. Don't be known as that type of person. Don't be known as this type of person. Willingly give your life to Jesus. And so here's the scary thing about it, is that we live in a generation that laughs at the thought of God and the Bible. But at the same time, hear this, they believe that God is happy with them and will let them into heaven when they die. This is the kind of generation we live in. It's the kind of culture we live in. Yeah, you know what? what I, I, don't even, I can't quote a verse of scripture besides John 3.16. There's songs all about it. I can't quote anything. You think I'm going to make it to church every single week? You think I'm going to give up that much of my time? You really think I'm going to devote all this? <laughs> That's funny. I got my own plans. I got my life to live. We live in a generation that laughs at truth. They make fun of you if you're devoted to Jesus Christ. But at the same time, somehow, when a relative dies, they're automatically angels. Which is unbiblical, by the way. But at the same time, whenever they believe these things, they believe somehow they're going to they're gonna end up in eternal greatness. That's not the case. And that's what God was warning Noah about. And Noah jumped on board, literally, right? See what I did there? He literally jumped on board. And so he said, God, I'm going to listen to you, man. I, I don't want to live my life. Like, God, I'm not going to take part in culture. I'm not going to do it. And he's calling us to do the same thing tonight. Don't expect an eternity with Jesus Christ, like we talked about last week, if you choose to live a life that is far from him while on earth. That is not what a follower of Jesus is. But to close it out, here's what we need to see. Very easy. I like to be very simple. Your story needs God's voice. Like this is, this is an essential part of your story, is that it needs, take note of that word needs, it needs God's voice. Verse 22, it goes on. It says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. You're like, wow, what a way to end the night. He did everything just as God has commanded him. We may see this as simple as elementary, but if we get down to the basics, how many of us truly do the things that God commands us to do? In order for your story to line up, just like Sam's, in order for your story to line up with Jesus' story, you have to know, I need God's voice inside of my life. I don't need sin. I don't need my feelings. I don't need my temptations. I don't, I don't need my desires. You fill in the blank. I don't need those things. I don't need acceptance. I don't need that. I need God's voice. And when, listen to me, Cottage Hill College, when are we going to get to the point to where we are literally starving for God's voice. What is it going to take in a world that is living like this, just like they were with Noah? What is it going to take for us to say, God, I need your, like I can't survive without your voice, right? And so here's what I want to tell you tonight as we close out, is that your story tonight, it has been formed in order to intersect with God's voice. Some of you may be confused on what we're going through tonight. That is the simplest way I know to put it, is that your story Literally, the reason you were created, like the reason you're here right now, is so that your life will intersect with God's voice. And some of you, maybe many of you in the room right now, have never had an intersection with God's voice before. Some of you may even believe wholeheartedly, man, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I know these things, I'm a good person, whatever. Have you ever allowed your life to intersect with God's voice? And if so, does it look like his word? 
That is where we need to get to the point, to where our lives, they look like this word. We are created to follow this word, to love this word, to obey this word, hold this word higher than any other word inside of our lives, right? And so we're created to have this intersection, and nobody ever explained that to me, right? Like growing up, nobody ever explained to me this whole intersection type deal. But here's the deal, when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, if you may be debating this tonight, or you may be like, well, I'm a follower, but I haven't been doing good with this. Here's the deal, there needs to be an intersection of God Almighty with your life. And if that doesn't happen, it's impossible for him to be Lord of your life. So many of us are living in a way that there's no intersection in sight. There's me, I'm going with the current, I'm going with the flow, I'm doing my own thing. Followers of Jesus, we can't do that. We are commanded to do so much greater. So here's what I'm going to leave you with. What pertains to Noah. Because Noah, right, in this story, because he did everything just as God had commanded, God was able to establish a new covenant through him. This is a big deal tonight. Verse 18. Go back with me in verse 18 really quick. Verse 18 says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Now, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed as we close really quick, but everything above verse 18 is bad. Anybody see that? It's, it's bad stuff, right? And so we see people are going to perish. Things are going to perish. There are going to be no more. Like, I am mad. Like, God, like, I, I, am, I have it out for this world. Like, they will not listen to me. I, I'm done with their games. Like, I'm done. And then all of a sudden, in one verse, he says, but Noah, I will establish a new covenant with you. You're like, what, what does that even mean? That means that he will literally make you a new creation tonight. This whole idea of a new covenant goes from Old Testament to New Testament. Like we are created to be part of this new, new covenant of Jesus Christ. And so what this means very simply is how scripture says he will make us a new creation. If you've never become a new creation, you've never made a new covenant with Jesus Christ. New covenant, new creation. That's how this kind of goes. And so as we go into this invitation time, I want to encourage all of you to think about your life. Think about is my life looking like this? Has my story had an intersection with God's voice? If not, then why not? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? Right? And here's, here's the last thing I'll leave you with. You can make whatever decision you want tonight. But know that it is urgent. Know that you're not going to have forever. Know that you're, you're not going to have maybe years and years and years. You don't know what you have. It's urgent. Just like, just like in this story, it is urgent. So treat it tonight as if it is urgent. Treat it tonight as if God Almighty is ready to forgive you and you are the one holding yourself back. So after we pray, just like every week, fill this altar. If you feel led, fill this altar. Get down on your knees, talk to God, do business with God, right? And I'll make it very simple for you. Everybody just bow your head really quick. Everybody bow your head. Go ahead and put your stuff up. Bow your head. If you're one of these people who have never done this before, and trust me, guys, I, I know there's some of you in the crowd right now. There's nothing to be ashamed of. But if you've never done this, I, I, just, I feel led to make it as easy as possible for you right now as we go into this invitation time. You simply talk to God. If you're like, man, I've never had a new covenant with Jesus. I, I've never been a new creation. What is that even like? Here it is. 
Don't wait any longer. Just tell him, say, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know I've fallen short of your glory. God, I know that I'll never be perfect. But I know you came to this world and died for my sins on the cross. And God, I know you died. You were dead. But you were raised to life to defeat my sin once and forever. And so Jesus, even though I'll never be perfect, I ask that you forgive me right now. Make me a new creation. Make a new covenant with me. And be Lord of my life from now until forever. With your head still bowed, listen, if you've talked to God, I need you to just to raise your hand. If you simply prayed and you just talked to God and you told him, God, I, I know I'm a sinner, keep raising them. God, I know I'm a sinner and I need you. I see you. Here's the deal. What I need you to do is you come find me after service. We'll eat cereal together. All right? You come find me after service. But here's the deal. Don't leave this building without talking to me. Okay? I got next steps for you. I got things that, that I, I need you to do and to hear. So as we go into this invitation time, let's rejoice, number one, those new believers in the room tonight. And number two, that we can all approach God boldly tonight. So Jesus, we love you, God. We thank you so much just for tonight, God. Thank you for the new lives, the new creations in you tonight. God, we thank you that right now we know from Scripture there's, there's a party in heaven because people have chosen to give their lives to you. Jesus, we pray that tonight you would use this invitation time. It would not just be a song, but God, we would submit to you, God. God, we would love you with all of our hearts, with all of our being. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name.